This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. And, you know, back to when you talked about the evolution of the industry, this is some of the things, you know, that, that are changing. The commission structures, uh, I think appreciation for when you ask for a discount as a home buyer uh, or even a seller, you've got to appreciate there's, there's infrastructure and sometimes it might be the individual agent that eats it. And I'm a believer, you know, when I ran a company, I was a believer that the more we pay a sales team in commission, Right, that that that's amazing. Like, I want to be writing a big a big check. You know, you want to be paying high taxes if if you can, if you have to at least. You know, um, and it's the same here. You you want to incentivize your your agent. Um, and have you have you seen have you seen a situation? Uh, and this is more human psychology than a case study, but at some point you would think that there is an incentive to work harder on a property where you're going to make more commission. I mean, this is why incentives exist, right? This is why yeah. M&A bankers, for example, may get tiered commission. We, we, I did that when we, we sold our company. It was, uh, it was quite funny. You know, we, we had Goldman Sachs. We, we set a minimum. I can't say the exact numbers. I want to keep some things confidential, right? But let's just pick a number. I don't know, 500 million, 600 million, whatever, right? After that point, the commission starts to scale and it gets more and more and more aggressive. Um, that, that, to me, just speaks to the human psychology that perhaps some people are motivated by money. So it has a... A different incentive too, where if the if the discounts are, are, are too se- severe, um, then perhaps the agent might not be motivated. Do, do you agree with that, or do you think houses are houses, and you know that they'll just sell like hotcakes when the market's there, and you know the commission is just something that's up for negotiation, or do commissions drive performance? I think commissions can drive performance. They should be indicative of quality of person or company that's representing you as well, right? Um, I have seen some interesting stuff recently where, because it's gotten so competitive, that's the good thing about these types of markets is you you see some real creativity. And for the first time we see now like, okay, if we sell your property within X days, it used to be more commission, but now it's less commission. And some of these that I've seen, because it's not taking as much effort, at least in a general sense, because it's so competitive from the buy side, you'll see buyers waive inspections. You'll see them waive all kinds of contingencies because a lot of properties are getting, you know, 20 or more offers. And so the listing agent is negotiating the best of those and then just bringing it to close with their transaction coordinator or coordination team if they have one. But as opposed to if it were 30 days, constantly going through those showings, trying to persuade that person that viewed it that this is the right property for them and negotiating that offer with a little less leverage or a little more leverage, I guess, than, than they currently do at the moment. So it, it, it's, it's, it's certainly interesting. You see, you see things move quite a bit. And, and if they don't move quite a bit, then momentum is lost. And unfortunately, the house ends up on the block and it feels like, okay, something's wrong with that home. And, and the momentum is lost. And I think there's, a, there's an art to orchestrating a quick closing. And everyone wins because, you know, you're, it's like an IRR concept in the investment world. You know, IRR, yeah. internal rate of return. It's sort of the amount of money you make uh, as a percentage of, of the time, right, that's there. And yeah. in some ways, the IRR is very high, even though you're making less but if the transaction can close very quickly, 
you made a lot on 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 your time value as a percentage yeah. relative to letting it drag on and making a bit more. Yeah, there, there's something that's not allowed in most states from a licensing perspective, which I think should be allowed in a in a market like this. And their net commissions, you know, where let's say, okay, we sell it for this price, and anything over that, then I receive in commission. And the reason being is what we're seeing, we're seeing better and better valuation data, right? Like we can get a good idea of what this home is worth on a generalized sense, not knowing anything inside of it. And also not knowing about the current market dynamics and those multiple offers. But that's where like a great agent really steps in in this market. They can go, okay, yes, we agree that whatever data we're looking at, that's the home price like as is. But I can tell you, you're gonna have 20 offers and generally they're coming in over X percent and we should do it at this time because it's gonna generate the most interest immediately after whatever it is. Like we take it from a pocket listing to active or we keep it just pocket listing or we do it directly after an open house. There's a lot of human dynamics that get involved in that agent that can navigate through that and get that price just right to where it's not so high because you know you're gonna get multiple offers that you're gonna scare people off. But maybe it's a little lower than market, so you get people to overbid into some kind of escalation clause. So that's the kind of insight that a lot of agents are providing now in this competitive market, even though houses are just selling like crazy and it's very easy to sell because it's low inventory. You can quickly go wrong or you could quickly sell yourself short if you don't do that right. So um, anyway, for, for what that's worth, that, that those are some interesting value adds that are happening right now from an agent. Yeah, and that goes back to why the human aspect of this is very important. You're, you're ultimately trying to convince someone to sell their prized asset and you've got to convince them that, you know, you want to put this under market so you have a competitive process rather than overpricing it. And a lot of homeowners are very stubborn. And they, they don't, tr I think it comes down to a lack of trust potentially. Do you agree with that? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and, and that's it too, right? That, that, that trust perhaps stems from the fact that, well, this agent's going to get paid a big commission no matter what, whether it sells for, you know, 10% lower or whatever, they're going to get a big chunk. And so they just want the quick easy, but it's not necessarily like that. It, you know, an agent prides themselves on getting the highest price they can for that. Agents have a, um, not just a fiduciary duty to, to their clients, to give them the best value, they get a buzz out of that. You know, it's a game. Well, there's there's risk too, right? Even though it may sell incredibly fast, all kinds of things go wrong in that 30 days, 45 days it takes to get to closing. And when it does go wrong, you're back to the drawing board. The agent doesn't get paid unless that thing actually sells. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about sort of the human element of change happening in the real estate industry. Well, I think, I, well, I think we've discussed a lot of the human element, but like the technology that's being applied to it, you see um, some of these teams that, you know, that we've mentioned a few times allowed to be to be a lot more productive. Um, we're seeing brokerages be allowed to be a lot more productive as well. So I think I think um, the part that's still a little bit lacking is kind of that consumer experience. There's still not much that's really driving that consumer through beginning to end. And if you think about it just from the brokerage aspect, maybe you have something, but everyone's fighting for the same kind of, to deliver this experience. So when you when you sell or purchase a home, let's talk about the buy side. You, you have an agent most likely that's helping you with the negotiations, the paperwork, and then 
just steer everything to closing. Well, then you also have the title company. You have a more than like more than likely a lender involved. Maybe there's a home warranty. Maybe there's movers, like your utility connections, like all these things. All those are different humans that are getting involved and in coming at you as a home buyer, right? And 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 then everyone wants to monetize that aspect as well. But really, what where everyone's still getting it wrong, where you've got to focus is. is at the end of the day, it's the home buyer that matters because none of you would have any of this going on if the home buyer weren't able to spend the money to make this happen. And let's focus a little bit more on that experience for them and bring all of these disparate, like somewhat disparate people in this greater transaction together to deliver that experience. And it's, I don't, even some of the more progressive companies are wanting to own each one of those elements. And it's very challenging, very challenging from a regulatory standpoint to execute that. So uh, anyway, the, the human element needs to be enabled by technology to really bring that together for the consumer. So there's a lot of change happening with empowering uh, different vendors and large players in real estate. What could be done on the consumer side when, when you allude to um, improving that experience? Could you be specific? Like, have you seen, a, have you seen examples of where that's being done well and how? Um, you see it being done... Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see anyone, quite frankly, doing it very well at the moment. Um, not that I've experienced. If they're out there, I would love to hear about them. It's it is a it is a problem that we are tackling, but it takes quite a bit of time to get there. You know, for us, we assist agents in our my company Transactly. We assist agents from contract to close, and then we have to coordinate with all those other parties, right? And a lot of that's still very manual and technology is being applied to it. But it's, at the end of the day, it's for the consumer that this is happening. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough challenge. Which stakeholder is, is going to get there? To me, it seems like it's the agent because the agent ultimately is going to be asked, you know, can you recommend a mover? Oh, I've got to sort this cleaning. Oh, how do I work at a title company? And if an agent's only focused on sales and hunting, how are they supposed to uh, even, even develop the expertise needed? to be a, a friend to the home buyer and to help refer. And, and, then, and then you said also monetizing, right? So some agents, uh, and, and I've seen this, a lot of tech-enabled uh, technology platforms want to take commission on, you know, sort of make money on the title and the financing and, and all of that. Is, is that. is that the way to go here? And is that, is that where agents should be playing? You're right, the agents sit at the center of it. They own the experience, I believe, or anyone that attempts to step in and, and commoditize the agent, which there are some companies that are doing really well there. Um, but the challenge with agents or any of those companies getting in is a, is a regulatory uh, challenge, right? You can't take kickbacks from a title company. Now, you may own the company. You still have to create kind of a Chinese wall in between those. Uh, so from a shareholder perspective, you gain some value. Um, but that, that's, that's, yeah, agents necessarily can't get into it. Um, the brokerage that they align themselves with can. But the agents can do it from a strictly a handshake referral. Hey, I use X, Y, and Z services during this transaction because they deliver a phenomenal service. That does happen. You know? and, and even though regulation prevents uh, what we could say an over-the-table, you know, formal transaction, it, it happens under the table or there's sort of this implicit agreement. And this happens in every industry, not just real estate, every industry where vendors do business with each other frequently and sometimes at the expense of the end consumer who will only do business once with that agent. Yeah, it absolutely happens at the brokerage level. 
every single brokerage that I've ever talked to does stick their hand out and looks for that in order for you to get in front of the agents and consumers. The agents, though, are a little bit different. Most agents just want to make sure you're not going to screw things up for them so they can get their commission at the end of the day and the, their clients get the home that they want. And so that, that means like most agents have a lender that they prefer to use. They have a title company and an inspector that they prefer to use in those because those, if anyone's going to screw up a deal, it's going to be one of those. Like if you can't get things through underwriting on time, you know, same thing with title. If title can't get clear title in time, the inspector is maybe way too overzealous and scares the buyer away or maybe misses something that the buyer then finds at a walkthrough. Who knows, you know? So those people, there's typically very close alignment with the agents and they don't care about the kickback. They just want great service for their client and a smooth transaction for everyone. And it seems like that's where agents should focus in order to protect their commission, in order to provide value. Otherwise, um, if you try to monetize everything long-term, things will go down and you'll refer the wrong vendors to. This isn't a commodity business. This, this is still sort of the frustration with real estate. It's a very... Um, it's a very relationship-driven business. And I think in some ways to a fault because relationships don't scale the way technology can scale. But at the end of the day, reputation is key and there's a lot of unscrupulous uh, vendors out there. And you're right, one small aspect could derail an entire process. And once yeah. the process is derailed, what's worse than a... I'll tell you what's worse than a property that's been on the market and overpriced is a property that was you know, in, in contract and then is back on the market. That, that, it's that, painful for everyone. That, that, that's a wart, you know, that is really difficult to come to terms with. Yeah. What, what, why did the deal fall apart is often the first thing the home buyer and even the other agent in the site will say, well, something must be wrong, you know, and we, we, we don't want to fall into that. So we want more time to close this deal. We want to have more contingencies. And that, that's, that's, that's a really bit bad situation. And, and sometimes it's so bad that the advice you're given as a homeowner is, well, you know what? Um, maybe we take it off the market. We wait another cycle. We do some renovation and furnishings. And, and you know, if that home is unoccupied or that homeowner needs to move, that, that's a very bad situation. That's a huge cost. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know the cycle well. You've, you've been down this path a few times, I assume. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I mean, and this is an interesting trend that's happening. For the first time in history, we're seeing institutions competing with consumers. More yeah. and more transactions today on the residential side are coming from iBuyers, are coming from institutions in some markets like Texas. Uh, you know, a large healthy percentage, I don't have it at the top of my hand, uh, but you know, very high double digit percentages, um, and we're talking 20, 30% to me, that's still very high, right? Are, are coming from investors and those investors are competing against your consumer. And that's yeah. creating a dynamic we've never seen in history before. What, what I call the institutionalization of the single family uh, asset class. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I don't know, as I said before, what happens with that inventory? Are people going to be okay with renting when they can't find inventory? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't believe that everyone will be. What, what are some of the hottest markets uh, that, that you're aware of right now throughout, throughout the U.S.? I mean, anything that I'll point out or what you can find in headlines, like Austin, for sure, but Texas in general has just been phenomenal. Um, Florida has done incredibly well. And a lot of this data is just from looking at our own internal data. And so it's some of the markets that you would imagine. Even California has done incredibly well. We're seeing a big uptick there, too. 